Welcome to the Story Paths podcast, where we explore links between story and culture. I'm Theodore Lowry, your host. I'm excited to announce that, as of March 2023, I've released my first on-demand creativity course. It's on Skillshare, nestled within a library of great creative courses, and if you're not already on there, I've got a link in the show notes where you can get a free month. My course is called Creative Writing, Brainstorming Story Ideas. In it, I guide you through finding ideas within your memories, working with them as symbols, and learning to deftly combine and recombine them into meaningful stories. There's a trailer for the course there in the show notes, along with the free link. Hope to see you in there. And so, we begin. I'm Theodore Lowry, and I like symbols in stories because they can become repositories of meaning, meaning layered and layered until the symbol becomes a talisman, a holder of human intent and energy. And I love symbols because they can be also changed, transmuted, like guns being melted down to make gardening tools. Welcome to the Story Paths podcast. Today is going to be a solo episode where I talk about symbols. So symbols are very interesting in storytelling and in life as a whole. They are tremendously important once you start to think about it. Uh, It's not just things like flags that are symbols, but money is a symbol. Words are symbols. Pictures are symbols. And in fact, everything can be used in a symbolic way. Uh, So basically, a symbol is something that represents something else. And what it usually represents is something abstract. Uh, For example, a famous one uh, is a caterpillar becoming a butterfly. Now, this is often used to symbolize transformation as a whole. So, caterpillar eats a lot, melts down, and becomes a butterfly. And we might say that... In our own lives, to undergo transformation into whatever the next stage is for us, we'll also need to go through a dramatic and difficult transformation. So another one, a book could symbolize knowledge as a whole. Uh, A tree could symbolize the entire non-human or natural world. A dog might symbolize loyalty and friendship. So these are some common symbols And, of course, a dog could symbolize other things as well, like a protective instinct or a desire to play. So a symbol is something physical or someone or a place which stands in for something intangible. Generally, that's how it's used. And certainly in storytelling, that's how it's used. And once you start to see them, you see them everywhere. 
Now, everything can be used as a symbol. Even the most mundane, boring things could potentially、uh, be used symbolically. And you can extract a symbolic meaning from anything. And we'll get into that. And that's、um, a pretty interesting exercise. So, places can also be symbolic, like Paris might symbolize the arts as a whole, or Western arts as a whole, European. India could symbolize spirituality for some people.、Uh, the forest might symbolize peace. The mountaintop could symbolize meditation. And you've probably noticed in seeing these symbols is that we could draw out other meanings from the same place. So Paris could symbolize arts, but it could also, for somebody who struggled a lot financially in Paris, it might personally symbolize for them financial struggle. You know, India could symbolize spirituality.、Uh, for another person, it might symbolize caste differences. Or mistreatment of women, or an amazing history, you know, the history of humanity could symbolize this great history to them. So, symbols are, in some sense, inherent in a good symbol, will be inherent in the object, the place、uh, that's being used as a symbol, but you can draw out different meanings. From the same you know, symbol, from the same thing that's being used as a symbol. So, people can also be symbols. A king can symbolize an entire kingdom. A governor can symbolize、uh, a state. A musician can symbolize music as a whole. So, you're starting to get the sense、uh, that a symbol is something local, something tangible, something definable, something. You know, that you could touch, that you can get, you can understand, which stands in for something that's intangible, something that's hard to define, hard to grasp, like a, like a pervasive force, like music. Music's, you know, inherent in mathematics, and mathematics is inherent in music. It's everywhere. So, how do you symbolize something so intangible and vast? Well, Maybe in a keyboard, musical keyboard, or in an instrument, or in a musician. Now, in stories, you'll often find that stories are overtly symbolic to different degrees. So, some stories are very symbolic,、uh, namely, mythology is often very symbolic, and other stories are not so overtly symbolic. For example, a modern, gritty, realistic drama. Now, in that gritty, modern, realistic drama, actually, if it's well written, you'll find there's a lot of symbolism, but it's not so obvious. So, in mythology, you'll often find the king is just a king, the musician lives for music. There's a kind of simplicity to it. Whereas, if you meet a real king, You'll find they've got a lot of other stuff going on that's not particularly about being a king.、Um, they have their family, they have their childhood issues, they have you know, digestion problems. When we think about a king, we don't really think about all that. That's kind of peripheral to the symbol of being a king. But if it was a more realistic story, 
you might see that person as a whole person. So yeah, they're a king, but they're like a whole gritty person with all these realistic human problems, you know? Same thing goes for a musician. In a mythological story, they live for music, they are an embodiment of music. Uh, a real musician, you'll find they, you know, problems uh, with their family, problems, you know, making ends meet potentially, et cetera, et cetera. You know, got a knee that's gummy and, you know, whatever. Uh, they don't just a musician. So it becomes more uh, realistic and less overtly symbolic. But like I say, in a good story, there's a lot of symbolism in there as well. So even though our story about the musician might not be just about the music, the music might symbolize, you know, their keyboard, their instrument might symbolize for them release, transcendence. And then the rest of their life is like hard to deal with, for example. So there's symbolism in all stories, but the simple, clear, clean symbolism we tend to find more in mythological stories where everything is uh, kind of scaled down. There's not as much detail added to everything, realistic detail. So I'm going to come back to this point now that everything can be symbolic. You know, I've been naming uh, common symbols, well-known symbols, like butterfly transforming and a king and, you know, Paris and things like that. Eiffel Tower, very symbolic, right? There's different popular symbols, a flag as a symbol. But what about things that you wouldn't normally consider to be all that symbolic? You know, like a teapot or a cardboard box or a house, you know? So these things might not have such commonly agreed upon symbolic meanings, but symbolism can be drawn out of them. So, for example, a cardboard box is, a, is what? A container. It, it holds things. So if we're going to make that abstract, you know, what else holds things? A conversation might hold things. A conversation holds items that we're talking about. You know, a box holds items that are meaningful to us. So a, a box, any container, could symbolize uh, our heart, for example. What's in your heart? Who's in your heart? What are the? You might put photographs of people you care for in a box, just like those people are present in the container of your heart. Or something else kind of mundane, a chair. Not a throne or anything symbolic like that, but just a janky old chair. But if you get into what's the function of a chair, a chair is a place where you rest. A chair is a place where you sit and you face a particular direction. So if you get into it that way, you can think, well, where am I resting in my life and where am I facing? And then if you have chairs together, well, are the chairs all faced the same way? Are they facing towards each other? Are they all facing outward? And then the placement of the chairs and the chairs themselves can represent, can symbolize how people sit within themselves, which direction they're facing in their lives, and how they relate with others in their community. So it's a cardboard box and a chair. So how do you get to these symbolic meanings? Of course, there's different roads in, 
But one way you can think about this is what's the function of the object? You know, what does the cardboard box do? Well, it holds things. What does the chair do? Well, people sit in it, and when they do, they face a particular direction. Um, take a window, you know, another, we see windows every day. So what might a window symbolize? Well, what does a window do? A window transmits light and keeps out cold and wind and so on. So a window might symbolize a person who lets light into the world and at the same time who protects others from difficulties, just like a window protects from the elements. In churches and other buildings, stained glass windows are very symbolic. In stained glass windows, in churches, you'll have these amazing scenes, usually of Jesus or a saint helping somebody, vanquishing, you know, an ill evildoer. And what does this represent? It's this light of God that's coming through the stained glass window into the church. So the church, if it's if it's working properly, is a kind of via medium for divinity that from where we are, we can get some glimpse of the doings of the spiritual world. So stained glass windows, very symbolic. In Islamic art, they don't depict any figures of God. They don't depict figurative divine art. So the beautiful calligraphy and designs and inset jewels within mosques, they symbolize God. They symbolize divinity. So coming back to some simpler examples, more uh, everyday examples. So take a tree. Again, what does a tree do? A tree branches and expands. You could say a tree bends in storms like a palm tree. A tree is taking in the light of the sun and turning that light into nutrients. A tree is, especially large trees, they call them like mother trees, they're hosting many other beings, including insects and moss and birds and so on. So when you're thinking to use a tree as a symbol, and a tree's been used in a symbolic way countless times uh, in, in history, and it's still a fresh example, what is it of the tree that you want to bring out? The tree being quite a relatively complex example because the tree does many different things. In the case of a cardboard box, it might be a little harder to draw out many different meanings, but a tree uh, has a lot going on. Now, perhaps more than a tree, let's say a country. What does a country symbolize? So let's take the United States, for example. Now, for some, the United States symbolizes freedom, people coming from other countries uh, who came as refugees, who came from very poor countries, and now they have a chance to make a better living, freedom of speech, and so on, compared to where they came from. So that's one thing you could draw out in the symbolism of the United States. What is, what is that complex collection of, of people and places? If you were to draw a simple symbol from there, 
We might say freedom, and for some they say freedom. Now, for others, of course, it's the opposite that the U.S. Uh, symbolizes empire, taking over lands that were not oh, were not the lands of the people who came in and invaded slavery, this kind of thing. So it's the opposite. Just like now we're in the middle of COVID, and for some, the mask that we wear. We go out, symbolizes a care for others and for one's own health. And for others, it symbolizes excessive uh, rules and a kind of top-down governance and restriction. And it's just a mask. So it's come to mean very opposite things for different people. It's come to symbolize different things. So what to speak of something like the United States, it symbolizes many different things for different people. Now, when you're writing a story, it's important to know what you want to bring out from a particular symbol. And in a good story, there'll be many symbols, and it's important to think about how the symbols are related with each other, like a, th a thread that weaves your symbols together. So, for example, if it's a story about somebody who's having a spiritual awakening, then the stained glass windows might be one symbol that you use to symbolize divine light coming into the world. Uh, the tree might be another symbol that symbolizes the same thing, where the tree is taking the light of the sun and making that light into tangible things like leaves and hazelnuts, walnuts, things people can eat. There could be a person in the story, a spiritual teacher perhaps, who also symbolizes the same thing for the character who's going through their uh, spiritual awakening. So in this way you can have a series of symbols that indicate the same kind of thing. And of course, you can take a symbol that's uh, popularly known and you can subvert the symbol. You can use it in a different way, like a flag, for example, that's known as something that we salute to and so on. It's very symbolic to burn a flag uh, because it's, it's symbolizing that, no, we're not saluting this. We're not into this at all. Uh, we're going to burn it or burning money. It's also a powerful relationship with the symbol of money that could be used. So this is just a little something about symbols. Uh, just to summarize, a symbol is an object, person, place, etc. that represents something else. And what it represents is usually something abstract that's hard to really have in one place at one time. Uh, so, yeah, Paris symbolizing the arts, a musician symbolizing music as a whole, a scholar symbolizing knowledge, um, a tree symbolizing rooting and rising, the digging into one's origin while at the same time striving to be more. I also talked about how the same object, person, etc. can be used to symbolize different things. There's often commonly accepted 
meanings and symbols, um, but you can draw out different meanings. And everything can be symbolic. And a good way to find how to make something symbolic is to think about what it does, what it does physically. And then from there, you can think, well, what's the kind of subtle equivalent of that uh, physical function? You know, so like a box contains. So what does it mean to contain another person's intentions, to, to, to hold a person's mood so that they can go through what they need to go through, to hold others in your heart? So these are also ways of containing, uh, but in a subtler way. So often that's the case with symbols, is it's something that performs a certain function physically, and then there's a kind of parallel function that you can draw out that is happening emotionally, mythically, personally, spiritually, which is an equivalent to that physical function, and which helps us to understand that subtle thing because we can pin it to the uh, physical thing. So that's, that's really the power of symbols. And uh, everything can be symbolic. Everyone can be symbolic. It's a question of drawing out certain meanings. Yes, the same uh, thing can uh, have different types of symbolism. Some symbols will tend to be relatively simple, like a, a chair or a box, while other symbols, you know, it's hard to draw so many meanings out of a chair or a box. You might be better at it than I am. So many symbolic meanings. But when it comes to a tree or a forest, then we can draw out a lot of symbolism from there. And in fact, nature is full of symbolic potential because the trees, rivers, ecosystems, clouds, weather, it's very multifaceted and you can draw different symbols uh, out of nature for the purposes of a story. You can draw opposite symbols out of nature. That's what makes it so interesting. Whereas, you know, there's some pretty interesting human-made things too, but it's hard to compete with like a tree or the ocean in terms of uh, symbolic potential. Just a few other examples, like fire. What does fire do? It burns. So it can, you can throw things that you want to have burned into a fire. It might draw an equivalent, a parallel that in your heart, you can, in your, in your history, you can throw things into an internal fire to burn them up. People sometimes, when they're going through a big transformation in life, they might burn all the letters that they've received from you know, the person they divorced, for example, or burn all their own previous artwork because they're taking a new direction. Uh, so you can burn things that you don't want to have, that you're done with, but fire can also take on the opposite meaning, which is that it burns things that you want, burns down your house, not so good. A hole in the ground, you know, you can bury things that you want to get rid of, like a landfill. And but they'll pop up something, you know, they don't really get rid of the problem. Or you can compost inside a hole, and then everything in there will be transformed into something new. And you can plant a tree in there, and from that hole, it'll grow to a high place. So you can use the same, same things in many different ways symbolically. Some things are more uh, flexible and diverse 
than others, but you kind of pick the function of that it's performing that you want to make an equivalent to. And this is a way, which hopefully I've explained decently, that you can draw symbolism out of everything. And this is really helpful in one's own life and in one's stories as well. So if you'd like, I will throw out a kind of thought experiment or exercise that you may want to try. Uh, perhaps the easiest way to do it is just look around wherever you are now and whatever first catches your eye, some object in the room you're in, or if you're out in a natural environment, you know, a tree, a bush, pathway, bridge, car, whatever it is. And then, so pick a certain object. It's probably easier to start off with an object instead of a person or a place. So pick an object and then Think, what is the function? What does that object do? And then when you have the function or some of the functions, it might have multiple functions of this object, then consider what that might look like in an abstract way. So let's say it's a car. So a car will bring us from one place to another. And then you can think, well, what, is, what else might bring us from one place to another? A relationship might bring us from one place to another. A helper might bring us from one place to another. Uh, a period of our life might transport us. So you can think of the object that you've chosen. Think of what it does, what it does physically, and then think of an equivalent abstract happening emotionally, spiritually, metaphysically. So I'll leave you with that and thank you for listening and I look forward to connecting with you. Thanks for listening to the Story Paths podcast. If you liked it, feel free to leave a review and share it with your friends. Thanks for listening to Story Paths, where we finger threads weaving story with culture. Before we go, I'd like to remind you of my new course, Creative Writing, Brainstorming Story Ideas, that is now available on Skillshare. If you're looking for a playful, creative space, this may just be for you. You can find the trailer and a link for a free month of Skillshare in the show notes. And as we part, I send my best wishes for you and yours. In the words of the Irish poet John O'Donoghue, may you realize that the shape of your soul is unique, that you have a special destiny here, and behind the facade of your life, there is something beautiful and eternal happening. And so we close.